so <clears throat> there seems to be a new virus, a new, uh, new version of the coronavirus going around, which is more dangerous. And it's, it's spreading from China again. And I think many people are dying because of this, uh, of this new virus. And I heard that their funeral homes are, are packed full with the, uh, with the people who died from, from this new version of the virus. And so our brothers and sisters in China are going through a difficult time at the moment. Uh, <laughs> And Pastor King, who is ministering in JB of Malaysia, uh, their, their church has been going through a lot of things after the conference. And I think one of the, 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 the elders and his family has left the church and I, I know of that family as well. And every time I visited Malaysia, and whenever I looked at him, I, I just felt really, um, uh, I just felt really upset seeing his spirit and see, seeing his attitude for the church and for the ministry. And so uh, Pastor King's church, Gopher Church of, of Malaysia is going through some things at the moment. So please pray for them, keep them in your prayers. And uh, this is a, it's a huge hit to the church because um, it's an elder that left the church, someone that, that used to do a lot for the church. And so please pray and also pray for all the churches of Zoe ministry all around the world. So let's begin. <clears throat> Tomorrow is Friday. And Friday, service will be at 7.30, like the same, just the same. And uh, the worship on Saturday, we are going to uh, announce the time for that worship session, maybe later in tomorrow, something like that, because the Israel team is coming in around 3.30, I think. So we might move the worship to 7.30. So I haven't decided yet. There are pros and cons to changing the time. Because I wonder if they can come to worship uh, right, right after traveling for many hours on a plane. So I'm just asking for the will of God. Is he willing for them to come to the worship uh, right after they come from the airport or have them rest a little bit before coming to the evening worship? And uh, as you know, the blessing service, the blessing ministry will be done, will be done after this conference has ended. And those of you who receive a lot of grace in this conference will, of course, uh, be more open to receiving blessings during that, that ministry of next week. And after the week, 
two weeks after the blessing service, the blessing ministry, we will be having the Young Adults Conference in this church. And more people have signed up for this conference than expected because, as you know, the conference also ha- is held on a Sunday as well. So I, I told them, I announced to the Zoe, the, the Zoe Ministry Young Adults that if you need to stay in your own churches during Sunday for Sunday worship, then uh, don't sign up for this conference. But, uh, and so... We have less than usual, but still more than I expected. And the uh, Zoe Ministry Young Adults will be uh, going back and forth between between uh, the, the the church and the hotels. And the young adults of our church will be staying in your own homes, per usual. And I think they're, we're going to be operating the kitchen, our kitchen, our cafeteria for lunch. And for dinner, we are going to give each cell group members, each, you know, we're going to create new cell groups for the conference. And you're going to have to dine in elsewhere every evening. And the church is going to fund uh, some percentage of that, of that meal. So please offer money for this, for this conference so that we can feed our young adults. So if the, if the Lord inspires you to do so, please offer money for this conference. So that's what's going to happen in January. And as for me, right after the Young Adults Conference, I'm going to be taking a break. And even though there are weddings in February, uh, that's, not, that's none of my business. I'm just going to take a break and replenish. On the, Febru- on the 6th of February, uh, there's a service service in the, the Solid Walk Church, I think. Um, that's what their name is. But they'll be holding a service to for the retirement of their main pastor and the, the appointment of their new pastor, which is the son of the main pastor. So that's the schedule for February. And finally, on the 3rd of May, on uh, 3rd of March, on the 6th of March, we'll be, we'll be holding the, the Zoe Ministry General Assembly. So, so you'll see me there. And then afterwards, I'm going to be leaving for Costa Rica. So that's the overall schedule for the beginning of this, the first half of, of this year. So please receive grace in this conference. And the Young Adults, please prepare your hearts for the Young Adults, con- young adults Conference that's coming up. The adults, you will have to intercede and pray and support uh, the young adults during their conference. Anyways, let's begin the message for today. So, first of all, first of all, the core of Paul's spirituality comes from his willingness to kill himself and lower himself before the Lord. And from the first day that he was met with Jesus on his road to Damascus, he, didn't, he wasn't lazy in this task of, of surrendering, surrendering himself before God. And this is a very important element to your spirituality. That's why for, for the past 25 years, I have also been emphasizing this task upon this church. And the reason for that is because Jesus, our, our self, our self has, has died on the cross with Jesus as well. 
But if we choose to let it live, it will start to live within us. And so, your victory and defeat within your spirituality is decided upon. The task of killing yourself is something that you need to be determined to do. And this is something that we always, we always emphasize. And our, our victory or defeat of our spirituality, of our faith, is not decided on what you can achieve or not. And Paul has written that since Christ has died for us on the cross, we also have died with Him. And so because we have died with Jesus already, as the children of God, as those who have been saved by Jesus, we must not let ourselves live anymore. And we need to let the, li- let the, let the Lord live through us. So, in the end, it means that if you live, then you die. And if you die, you live. And many times in our walk with the Lord, we, 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 want, we have this tendency to try to do something for ourselves because we think we have a possibility, because we think we have power to do something for ourselves. But, but in the end, you have to realize that that road, that road will lead you to destruction and lead you to failure. And of course, even if you live with your own strength, later on, if you, if you repent and return to the Lord, that, that, that means you're going to be saved in the end. But with, if you exclude that repentance, if you never return to the Lord, then in the end, you're going to face your defeat and you're going to face your ultimate uh, uh, failure. So when I look at somebody, Sometimes I wonder, is this person able to repent of, on this sin? And many times they cannot because they, they don't have, they don't allow themselves to repent anymore. And they don't realize why they're bound, why they're so bound in this life that they're living in. And, and, they, and they, they even, it even frustrates themselves because even though they, they live very uh, diligently, they think they have poured all their strength and all their might into their ministry and all, into their faith life. They don't realize why their outcome is always so bad or why it is so negative. Because they don't know the task of killing yourself and surrendering yourself before the Lord. And once you do, once you completely surrender yourself before the Lord, you realize, oh, this was what I was doing wrong. Oh, this was what, what I was doing uh, wrong in the eyes of God. You know, start to repent on the things that you have done wrong in His eyes. And that's how you can mature and grow spiritually. So even if... Even if you are not the greatest minister, even if you don't, you're unable to exercise exercise all of your spiritual gifts. Once you look at us, like once you look at somebody's prayer life, you'll be able to tell whether or not that person is bound by a sin or not. 
So that's why I tell you guys, prayer is so important. On the other hand, some people, even though they may pray for many hours, you can tell exactly that, that they're still bound and that they're not, they're, they are not praying according to the inspirations of the Holy Spirit. Rather, they're praying with their own thoughts and their, their very selfish intentions. And so, just by looking at their prayers, you can realize what kind of, what kind of faith they have. Because a person who has their spirits open, their prayers will, 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 will uh, ascend into the heavens without any blockage. It freely, is go be, it freely it is able to go into the Lord's presence very easily. But if you pray with your thoughts, and the reason why you pray with, the, with your thoughts is because you're bound. You, you cannot hear the voice of the Holy Spirit leading your, leading your prayer at that moment. And that's why even, other, even the ministers cannot come and interpret your tongue because you're praying to, with your thoughts. And so, this task of surrendering yourself is so important. And in order to repent correctly, every day you must learn to to surrender yourself and do not neglect your, your old self. And at some point, at some point, you will not know what to repent for anymore. But if you're lazy in this task, your, if your spirit and your mind is bound, starts to get bound. And, and so you would, you, would, you would freeze up and not be able to repent, not be able to uh, uh, propel forwards anymore. And those people always, put, always would put before you what they have done right. They say, I give tithes, I give offerings, I serve the church, and I come to early morning prayer and early morning service. What's wrong then? Why can't I experience spiritual maturity? And I'm telling you that this is a very common, common uh, appearance. Even if it's not your whole character that is being bound in this way, one portion or uh, one part of your life may be bound in this way. Let's say one person has, has issues with their relationships. And if you have an issue with that person right now, then that is going to lead you to be bound uh, even, even, uh, even worse in the future. And from then on, you will be continuously be attacked by people, by your relationship. And at two, when you reach a certain point, it becomes almost impossible for you to be unraveled from this, these kind of bindings. That's why for the past 25 years, I've been telling you to surrender yourself to God. I have done this repetitively, but you guys have shut off your ears from me. You don't want to listen. And you always say, oh, that's something that's nice. That's nice, but I'm not going to do it. But you have to know that this task is very crucial to your defeat or your victory. So, this core is written in chapter 4, uh, verse 5. Uh, I don't know, uh, I lost which verse it is, but it basically says that uh, because Christ died, I died with him on the, on the cross. 
So if you die, then you allow the Lord to work through you and you can live by the new self. But, but if, you, if you long to live for yourself, then you start to rely on the old self. And that means in the end, you will die. And for me, at times, I will, I will be proclaiming the word of God through Rema and not through 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 uh, the, 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 the common revelation that comes to me. For example, with the book of Galatians, Galatians 5 or something, I would proclaim that with Rema. And another verse is that, that talks about st- uh, stamping on the head of the enemy. That we can, and that, that verse talk, that, that goes along saying we can nullify the power of the enemy. All of these Bible verses are proclaimed through Rema. It is not done through memory. It's because when I was transformed after, after encountering the Lord, every day and every moment, this message came, uh, comes to me. And so, those who are lazy in this task of surrendering themselves for for the Lord, they will always be bound by the end. And that is a huge issue that comes into our spirituality. So do not be lazy in this task. So since Paul was living a spiritual life knowing and, and believing that he died with the Lord, he's able to reveal his weaknesses before everybody and before God. And he knows that he's weak. And he knows that he's weak unless he relies on the Lord. And that's the key to his victory. And he knew that when he is weak, he, he will be strong with the Lord. People who are strong, thinking, people who think that they are strong, they will never uh, admit to weakness. And they may, they may pretend to be humble when the, when the situation is not in their favor, but in the end, they will not admit that they are weak. And they start to get angry because uh, it hurts their pride to be in that kind of situation. So that is, the, that is our spiritual reality as well. In the case of Paul, Paul knew for a fact that he couldn't do anything without the Lord's help. And so he wouldn't, do, he wouldn't start any project without the Lord's help. And not only did, did, he th- did he know that he couldn't do anything for himself, he didn't even... S- uh, he didn't even try to do anything for himself. So only those who, who realize this, this principle, can they, uh, can they maintain a correct spirituality? In the case of Daniel, he was already the prime minister, prime minister of Babylon. You know, he probably had a lot of private rooms within his house, so he could just hide somewhere to, to pray to God. So in the, in the world's perspective, he may be foolish to continue to pray with his windows open. But people with faith, people of prayer know that with their relationship with the Lord, 
they don't have to, 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 to go into hiding. And they cannot because they have this spiritual pride within themselves. They cannot let others, they cannot let an external force come and, uh, come and hinder their relationship with the Lord. But people who cannot surrender themselves, they don't understand what this spiritual pride is. The world may look at us and say, oh, you foolish person, you stupid person. But we know that men of faith, to the people of faith, they will realize that this is the smart way. This is the wise uh, path that they have chosen. So we should stop longing for the acknowledgement of the world. It is impossible for you to both receive the acknowledgement of the world and the acknowledgement of God. So if you, long, if you are receiving acknowledgement from God, then you will not receive acknowledgement in the world. What did Paul say? Well, what did Paul do? Because he was able to surrender himself, he was able to make this famous proclamation. So anyways, when you're, when you're living in faith, even if you're infamous in the world, even though you're, you're anonymous in the world, it doesn't matter because in the kingdom of God, you will be famous. You will be acknowledged by the one true king. And so this kind of lifestyle is not done through, through training, but it is, it is naturally given to you once you start to live by faith. Hmm. So do not think that you can help others when you have money, because or that you can help others because you have money. The reason, the only way, the only time that you can help others is when you when you have that kind of spiritual skill that you're able to embrace that person and and support them. It's not because you have material wealth that you can support others. So this is the new identity, new identity that is given to uh, the new creation. You become great. Even though you appear poor, you can make others rich. This is, what it, what it, this is the definition of being cool. But people who lack this, this, uh, this faith won't realize what, what kind of lifestyle this is. And so let's look into the book of Philippians. And as you know, Philippians was written at the end of, near the end of Paul's life when he was at the climax of his spirituality. And during around 8050-ish, he was, he was uh, having the most difficulty while ministering the, the Church of Corinthians, the Church of Corinth. And, but around 8064, after he has come to the Church of Philippians, his, his faith has already grown and matured. So he... Uh, we don't talk about 
So if you're if you're diligent in this task of emptying yourself, of, of surrendering yourself before the Lord, then you realize that what comes from Christ is, is what only benefits us. And what whatever we have accumulated, whatever we have achieved before that by our own self, by our own strength, then that should be counted as a loss because it is meaningless in the grand scale of the Lord. So if before, in the case of C.S. Lewis, there was a time that he regarded the book of Psalms as, as meaningless. But after he has matured in his spirituality, he realized the, the greatness of the book of Psalms. And that was, he, was, he was able to open those eyes after emptying and emptying and emptying yourself, himself before the Lord. And once he started to receive grace from the Lord, that's when he realized how precious and how meaningful this book was. Likewise, imagine yourself living in a pile of, of, of uh, fecal matter. No matter how precious that may seem to you, does it make sense for you to hold on to, on a, holding on to feces? But once you have your spiritual eyes open, you will realize what you're holding on to, what you're so dear, dearly holding on to up until now, are all, are all meaningless and are all done in vain. So even though somebody may be, may be very uh, proud of what their, what, what, what all their achievements around them, in the eyes, in the perspective of the people of faith, they'll realize that they have done nothing, nothing in your life. Because the more you empty yourself, the more you're able to, you're able to confirm of what, what God gives to you. And Paul was somebody with a high status during his time in Rome. But he was able to throw everything away. He was able to count everything as a loss when he was met with the Lord. And, and now his, his spirituality, his faith has gone to the point where uh, presence and imminence have come together. He, he choose, he's truly able to embody what it means to be in Christ and having Christ in him. He was completely emptied before the Lord. So that's why this task is so important for us as well. In, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, it says, Not that I speak in respect to lack, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content in it. I know how to be humbled, and I, know, I, know, I also know how to abound. In everything, in all things, I have learned the secret both to be filled and to be hungry, both to abound and to be in need. And it may seem very prideful for him to say this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So this is the, the, you're looking at uh, the peak of somebody else's faith. And those who are about to reach that stage of glorification will understand what Paul is saying here. That no matter what, what hardships may come, no matter what persecutions may come, that they, he would do not throw anything away. 
and that he would not uh, even be be faced by it because he knows of the secret to be be to be both filled and to be hungry. So even if you don't have a voice, you can speak the word of God. Even if you're sick, you can minister. Even if you don't want to preach, you can preach. And not just preaching, but in, in all things, in all ministries. This is the peak form of emptying yourself. So if you're close to, to the stage of glorification, you will also partake in this confession as well. Even though you're not at that state yet, you'll start to get a glimpse of what, what Paul meant here when he wrote these verses. And you will be touched by his words. So now that Paul has become this kind of person, in, in 1 Timothy, what does, what does he say? He said, at the end of my road, He said he has given everything to the Lord. So even at the end of his life, he was looking at this. That my time is coming and I have fought the fight of grace. And now I was able to keep my faith. And I have kept my faith. That is the point. And that is a huge proclamation and confession. And all those who, who strive to live with the Lord should be able to lift, lift up this kind of confession at the end of their lives, that they have fought the fight of grace and that they have kept their faith. And Wesley, at the end of his life, said, do not cover, do not cover the windows because he wanted to see himself being being... Uh, he didn't want the heavens to be close to him. Until the, and also at the very end of his life, he didn't stop evangelizing and spreading the word of God. Also, at the end of his life, he didn't stop preaching the word of God. I think he was on a train, and he didn't stop to preach the word of God, even though he was just about to meet his death. And these are all results of, of people who, are able, who were able to empty themselves before the Lord. But if you have a fear of death, then this, is, this would be impossible for you to do. If you do not prepare for your own death, then you would, you would be afraid of your death. The reason why these people were able to die in this kind of glory is because they, had no, they were not tied to their flesh anymore. And that comes from years of emptying themselves. And we're looking through the life of Paul through uh, through this book. 
in Romans 8.13 also says, For if you live after the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. This, this statement also completely turned around the life of Paul. Because Paul did not allow his flesh to, to flourish. He didn't let his uh, flesh start to work. And he says right here, for if you live after the flesh, you must die. He said, he used the word must. So it's not, he didn't say you might die or there's a possibility that you are going to die if you live after the flesh. But he says you must die. In Romans 1 verse 8, he talked about the, the, the glory, uh, how, how inspired he was when he was saved by the Lord. But simultaneously, he did not allow his flesh to start to live because of that joy. But rather, he continued to, to surrender himself and empty himself before the Lord. In 2 Corinthians and Philippians and Romans, he talks about the three core values of, of emptying oneself that you must completely kill your flesh. In Galatians 5, <laughs> Uh, for your brothers were called for freedom only don't use your freedom for gain to the flesh but through love be servants to one another so he Paul knew exactly how how uh, severe this spiritual battle will be within himself by the, by the old self and the new self and he has a, he, and he has experience in this spiritual battle and the reason why he had he continued to get, uh, engage in this warfare is because he he wanted to maintain in holiness. But if you strive to live by the flesh, then you will not understand what it means, how difficult it is it is to be in the in the midst of this kind uh, of this internal spiritual warfare. Because you don't empty yourself, you live a very self-centered life, and you don't you start to you don't acknowledge that that you are 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 wicked because of this. Why is it so silent suddenly? Is my sermon too heavy? So uh, emptying yourself and surrendering yourself is the first step in your spirituality. That's why the Lord, when the Holy Spirit leads you to do that in the first phase of your spirituality. And how much you have, have built up while built, built, uh, built up within yourself while living in the old self can, will only be revealed to you on that day when you, when you meet the Lord. But 
But later on, as you live with Him, uh, he will, the Holy Spirit will, will, will let you know exactly when you have sinned. For example, when I get angry and wrath starts to bubble up within me, then my body will heat up. Not, not because, not like the way that I receive fire, but it will just heat up temperature-wise. And that's when I realize, oh, I have acted out in, in anger. And the Holy Spirit, that's, that's His task. He tells you of your son's sins and helps, helps you to repent so that you can return to the Lord. And people who have or are engaging in this internal spiritual warfare between the old self and the new self, they will not let sin just, just run around within themselves. And because Paul uh, has experience in this spiritual warfare, and he knows how, that he is victorious in this, in this warfare, he's able to proclaim that he has experienced freedom, truly experienced freedom from his sins and from his flesh. In Romans 7, he depicts how, how severe that battle was, how difficult it was for him to go through that, that phase with the Holy Spirit. Because it is not easy to kill and nullify the power of the old self after living so many years uh, uh, relying on that power. So in order to give this confession of saying that when you live by the, when you chase after the things of the flesh, you must die, he had to go through a lot, go through uh, this whole phase of going through the spiritual battle. If he did not experience this, then... So don't pay too much attention to the, the exact dates that I'm saying. But if he did not go through that, go through these experiences, then he would not been have, have been able to offer these kind of great proclamations. So, during his time in the Arabian wilderness, around 17 years, that's when the Lord led him to empty himself in this way. And after 17 years, he was finally able to, to uh, sense this catharsis of, of, of being freed from his sins, from being freed from his flesh. In AD 49 was when he first set out on his journey uh, of evangelizing. And that's when the Lord uh, trusted Paul with his, with his gospel. So I'm just uh, emphasizing how important it is for us to empty ourselves. And secondly, Paul was a man of the Holy Spirit, and he lived by this Holy Spirit. So how can you live with the Holy Spirit when you're not emptied? People who do, are people who do not uh, empty themselves cannot understand when okay, will not will, will not be able to know when the Holy Spirit tells them that that they have sinned when when they have done something that displeases the Holy Spirit. So it's like this. For example, 
There, let's, let's say there's a small cup here. It is filled with dirt. It's, let's say it's filled almost to the brim with, with dirt, like 90% with dirt. Let's say the, somebody received grace in this kind of state. Then once you, receive, once you receive that 10% and that 10% is filled, they would say, oh, I received grace. I'm filled with grace. And they would go home singing hallelujah. But they cannot do anything afterwards. They don't experience uh, a spiritual growth or a change in their life. Because only that little, little bit was filled by the Holy Spirit and by grace. So you have to empty, empty that com- cup completely and let it be filled with, with grace and with the Holy Spirit completely that you will sense a change in, in, in your life. Let's move on. So receiving grace while not emptying yourself is, is, is pointless. And once you start to empty yourself and live by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will change the, the size of the bowl that, that you have within you. So look here, now the water is overflowing. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit now? Yes, because it is overflowing. But with that kind of fullness, you cannot do anything. So the Holy Spirit is, yes, it is the, you're filled to the Holy Spirit in some kind of sense. But because you're so filled with something else, and the amount of you being filled, the, being filled with the Holy Spirit is not very much, that's why you cannot do anything with that, with that grace. So even though it seems funny, this is not a funny thing. It's not a humorous thing to talk about. Because some of you are living this kind of, uh, some of you are in this state. When you think you're filled with the Holy Spirit even though you have just filled that little bottle cap. So, once you start to empty yourself, not only are you able to feel how much you have emptied, but the Holy Spirit gives you a bigger bowl and a bigger bowl to, to, uh, to store even more of the Lord's grace. So, in your perspective, it is, of course, it would be best uh, to you if the Lord leads you to, to earn good money, to have a good job, to live a comfortable life. But no, in the perspective of God, the best thing for you to, for the best thing for us is to, for, for, to have us have each have a, a, a big bowl so that we can store all the good things that the Lord is pouring to us, pouring upon us. And that can only be done when we start to empty ourselves completely. And in some sense, uh, not emptying yourself will, will lead you to live a more comfortable life. Because you would, you would feel less, you will, you will be met with, met with less challenges and less hardships. But that means you're not going to experience any spiritual growth. 
in Colossians, it talks about building your house with materials that are inflammable. And that's the, the uh, building your house with inflammable objects means emptying yourself completely so that the Lord will work through you. And of course, for Paul, every day as he, empty, as he empties himself before the Lord, he also allows the Holy Spirit to come and fill that bowl. So if you're unable to receive grace, if you're not transformed by the Lord, then that means that, that, uh, either that you're in two, one of two states. That means either your, your cup or your bowl is filled with something else, or, or you have not let the Holy Spirit come to fill you up. And the reason why you cannot maintain the fullness of the Holy Spirit for long periods of time is because of the size of, of the bowl or the amount that you allow the Lord to come and work in you. And on top of that, if you're bound spiritually, then that makes it even more difficult. Difficult for you to be filled by the Lord. Imagine trying to gather rainwater while you're opening, uh, while you only poke a hole, poke, poke a little hole in, in your, 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 your bottles. How much rainwater will go into that bottle when you only have a little opening that allows for it to come in? So many people are, are like this. They just... They just wait for that sparkle uh, when, you, when, you, when you receive grace during worship. And that means you're only living in while, uh, while uh, you're only living and receiving grace through the presence of the Lord. So that's why you're able to receive grace only when you come to worship, only in the, in, in the setting of the church. But when, once you leave that church building, once you go to your individual lives, you lose all the grace you have received and you start to live by, your, by the flesh once again. He's talking about one of our hospitals. Uh, one of the nurses used to not be able to receive grace, and so she she uh, made a lot of people's lives difficult, especially the owner of the hospital, which is Doctor Doctor Yoon. Young, Dr. Young. But now, now she's a completely, completely different woman. And so the hospital is, is, uh, has a great atmosphere. Spirit was was very natural because he was always confirming of his identity before the Lord. In Romans 8:14, it says, "If you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, then you allow an opening to to for the enemy to come in." 
and they, they start to carve away your nobility and your identity, and they cause you to fall and stumble and, and, and fall into this despair. And you get upset, and you, you you start to mistrust the Lord, thinking that uh, thinking that you're not good enough, or that the Lord cannot come and help you. But in Romans eight fourteen. It says for. Oh, verse 13. It says, For if you live after the flesh, you must die, but if by the Spirit you put, the, put to death the deeds of the body, and you will live. <clears throat> Let's say you have something that you need to do. You want to move towards that direction. But the Holy Spirit says, Don't, don't go there. But people who are empowered by the flesh will just move to that direction regardless of what the Holy Spirit says. But people who are filled with the Holy Spirit and are living by the new self, they would, they would stop in their steps and pray to the Lord. <clears throat> For example, p- students who are not that great at, at studying, before they study, they have to clean up their desk, they have to clean their room, they, they busy themselves with everything other than studying. But people who are good at studying, no matter what's around them, no matter who's, who's chatting around them, making a mess around them, it doesn't matter because they're able to focus on their task. And so people who are filled with the Holy Spirit, because they, are, they have inner peace, that the Holy, because the Holy Spirit leads them to be peaceful on the inside, no matter what's going on around them, it doesn't matter because they can listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and obey Him directly. But people who are living strong in the flesh, um, they're, they're constantly before uh, having to choose between these, uh, these, 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 these crossroads. What should I do? Should I follow the Holy Spirit or should I just follow my instincts and, and my desire? Or just follow the task that is before me? When you look at a car, how can you judge that it is a good car? There are many standards to a good car. A good car is able to accelerate powerfully. And, but a- any car can accelerate to a certain speed as, uh, when you give it enough time. But how do you judge a good car? How you, one of the ways is judging its brake system. If the car is able to go, uh, accelerate and go to a desk stop in, in a matter of seconds, then that means that that is a good car, that is a good brake system. But a cheap car will not be able to brake, uh, will not be able to stop immediately after you step on the brake paddle. And so it is difficult for those cars to slow down or to, to go into a, a, a steep curve. And another way you can measure how a car is good is the, the, the amount of time that it takes for a car to accelerate to a certain, certain speed. And good cars and expensive cars like the Corvette will be able to accelerate very fast because of the engine that it, that it is within that car. But anyways, listen carefully. People of the Holy Spirit likewise can accelerate the Holy Spirit at an instance, can, but also they're able to stop instantaneously when the Holy Spirit tells them to do so. So I think this is a very good analogy. And now... Uh, comparing our spirituality to cars. But don't take it too seriously.
verse 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, of God, these are children of God. So we're going to look at Galatians later, but uh, later it talks about with Spirit, led, being led by the Spirit, and taking each step with the Spirit. So Paul is 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 um, showing you what what how what kind of lifestyle you must live while living with the Holy Spirit. What it means to live by the Holy Spirit. And it says here that people who are led by the Spirit of God, they they are the children of God. Let's say I said that. Mm. Mm. So, I, I, I could have said, well, Paul could have said that through the, the, the guidance of the Holy Spirit, I was able to, to minister people, I was able to deliver people and cast away demons. But no, he says, when you're led by the Spirit of God, you are a child of God. And what this emphasizes is, the, is that the Holy Spirit, when it comes within us, and when we are led by the Holy Spirit, what he does is he confirms of our identity before the Lord. So let's let's say I'm delivering somebody from a demon. If that demon is is a weak demon, a little a small demon, then it is then that demon can be easily cast away by proclamation. But let's say but let's say that th- that there's a general demon within that person. Then can I can I as as a person as a minister just just cast uh, cast away that demon with my own power and authority? No. That that demon is in the general position. It is very strong. But uh, are we we able to deliver that demon in the end? Yes, when we're able to to believe in our identity as the child of God, as his royal kings, we'll be able to deliver that person from that demon, even though that demon is powerful. So that's the difference in knowing of of who you are and, uh, and just utilizing the power of the Holy Spirit. And this verse 15, for if for you didn't receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba Father. So the point of this verse is to emphasize that the Holy Spirit uh, leads us and lets us know that we have been adopted into the family of God. And people who know of the, uh, that they are adopted into the family of God, they have no fear because, that, because they are already part of the Lord's family, fa- part of the Lord's family. And so there's nothing on this earth that they can be afraid of. What does it mean to be adopted? What does it mean to be the heir of God? It means we will be given the Lord's kingdom and, and, and uh, his, his ability to rule over this, this world. But because you don't you don't believe in uh, not believe but because you don't live in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, you don't understand what this means. In verse sixteen, the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. So the Spirit Himself, the Holy Spirit Himself, is testifying within our within us that we are the children of God. No matter what you do, you are a child of God. Even if you fail, you are still a child of God. 
So even if you feel you're not feel, failing as an individual, you have failed while still being a child of God, while still being an heir to His kingdom. So, even uh, in this world, when, when, when a prince or when a princess does something wrong or makes a mistake, it, are, they, are they punished by, the, the, by their people? No. Only the king himself can pu- punish his sons and daughters. Likewise, when we make a mistake, when we sin in this world, we cannot be punished by the world. We cannot be punished by the enemy. Only God can punish us. And so we should have no fear against the things of the world. Even when we come to, a, when we, even when we experience failures, we don't need to fall into despair because we know of our identity. Even in your businesses, it is the same. Because you live as a child of God. Even so, uh, because you're a child of God, you're not working to earn money in this world. Rather, you're, you're working for the kingdom of God. So our goals are completely different from the businessmen of the world. So this is how important spiritual fullness is. So even if we fail, we fail while being a child of God. Is somebody going to come and punish us and discipline us? No. So you, you're going to despair because of your, your weaknesses is, is not just trial and error, but it is, it is un, uh, unbelief. You're not believing in the promise of God because you're unable to believe in your own identity in the first place. And so for Paul, the fullness of the, the, fullness of the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of the Holy Spirit Himself has a lot of different names because of the different tasks that He does. For example, He is called the Spirit of Truth, uh, the Spirit of uh, the Advocate. But in the case of Paul, the Holy Spirit is important to him because the Holy Spirit allows him to have fellowship with God. So for Paul, that was the most important task of the Holy Spirit, that, that, this, that this Spirit leads him to the Lord. So when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit leads your fellowship and every conversation that you may have with the Lord. In Romans 8, what it says, the Holy Spirit is constantly leading me, which is what Paul says. So, I think some of you still don't understand what it means to be led by the Holy Spirit. It's because you live, you, you live for yourself and you pray with your own thoughts and with your own intentions. But when you pray with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit helps you to pray for the things that are most important for you at that moment. So that's why we have two advocates. One is Jesus and one is the Holy Spirit. He is our comfort and He protects us. He's our protective. And He helps us to reach, uh, helps us to become comfortable in our place. 
And so like I said before, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, no matter what is around you, no matter what kind of situation surrounds you, it doesn't matter because you're at peace. Because the Holy Spirit remains within you and He protects you and keeps you calm. But without the fullness of the Holy Spirit, you will not be able to experience these benefits. And in 2 Corinthians uh, 2.18, it says, The Holy Spirit leads you from glory to glory. So, without the Holy Spirit, you will not realize what it means to go from glory to glory. Because the Holy Spirit continues to lead you to new glory and a greater glory. And uh, Paul knew exactly what this meant. So emptying yourself, the first thing that we talked about, and, and receiving the fullness of the Holy Spirit are connected in this way. They are not separate. separate. So we have to be completely surrounded by the fullness of the Holy Spirit at all times. So the third thing is he was a person that saw the glory of the gospel. In 2 Timothy 2.8, it says that Paul was one that was, has been trusted by the gospel of God, by God. And experiencing the Lord, the word Tokimajo means you're completely, you're, you're experiencing the Lord and you're being renewed by Him. And in order for the Lord to trust Paul with his gospel, he needed to help Paul become whole by emptying himself. And after this, this task was done, after he got, Paul has gone through that phase, he was trusted with the gospel of God. And so it, being trusted with the gospel means that God came to Paul saying, Hey Paul, I'm going to give you my gospel for you to proclaim upon this land. And so the God that called Paul in the first place also trusted Paul with his with this message. And secondly, also trusted Paul with his church as well. And that, that is the same for us. As soon as we have been saved, as soon as we, we have received our calling from Jesus, he, he also calls us to be a church. And so you must be able to give your life for the church, for the message of God as well. And God has, in this church, God has trusted you with His Spirit and with His, with His gospel as well. When, God, when Paul was ministering to churches, he would say to the churches that you, the church itself, has been bought at, as, uh, bought at a price by Jesus with His blood. And that's why God, Jesus Himself trusted, has trusted uh, his church to us. Yes. 
So, just like how, how Paul received his calling and received how, and how God has trusted the message through Paul through his relationship with God, we must all receive this calling and receive the message of the Lord in the church. In 2 Corinthians 2, 9 or, or 28, Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians nine. That's really Anyways, uh, that verse talks about how God trusted Paul with his with his gospel. And it is a calling that has been given to Paul for him for him to manage. And we also, as the church, we must all receive his gospel. And since he was trusted, since Paul was trusted with the gospel of God, he also saw the light of the gospel, the glory of the gospel, and he lived for that glory. And since he knew of the glory of the gospel, he regarded the gospel as, as more than his life. So that's why we have to see that glory as well. Once you see that glory, it will become natural for you to give your life for be able to give your life for that gospel. So the glory of the gospel, the glory of the church, and the glory of the uh, and the glory of the calling are all given to you through the church. We must all receive that glory and confirm of, 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 of that calling before the Lord. In Galatians, what, what does it say? Am I, am I to please people or am I to, to proclaim the Lord's revelations to you? So Paul is saying that I don't care about your feelings because what I'm proclaiming is the, are the words of the Lord. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it because uh, your emotions are hurt. So likewise, the Lord has trusted me with the gospel for this church. And I'm proclaiming this, this, this message, the revelations that God has given to me uh, completely. So you must all receive this message and... and, and, and uh, uh, Receive the folly and try to live by the gospel that is being preached here. Paul, to all the early churches, he said that I am preaching the, the gospel of the Lord because I am able to see that glory. And if you can able to, if you're able to see that glory as well, you must give your life for the gospel that you're receiving. So for us, as you're attending this church, do you listen to the sermons of other churches? then you have to leave this church because, because it is hard enough for us to digest the message that is being proclaimed in this church. Do you have time to list time and energy to listen to the, to the sermons of other churches thinking that you can digest all this? Do you think there are still people in this church that are uh, listening to the sermons of other people? And seek them out. What is another core of the spirituality of Paul, and that is the glory of the church. For Paul, the church was everything. 
Just like how God was everything to him, the church was also everything for him. And according to the, the, the spiritual pride of Paul, it would have been di- very difficult for Paul to continue to, to put up with, the, with the, the complaint of the church of Corinth. In Galatians, he says, I will fill my f- flesh with the remaining, remaining diffic- uh, hardships of Jesus. And that was Paul confessing that he's willing to bear the, all the hardships of the churches that, that, that he has built. In Ephesians, he says that he, in one of the verses, he actually writes the church before Jesus. Does that mean the church is more important than Jesus? No, that, that is just Paul emphasizing the importance of the church, that he was willing to write the, the church before uh, Jesus in that sentence. And Paul knew exactly that the order in which God created us was that Jesus was to be the head of the church, and the church was, was, uh, was to rule over the creation. So this is the glory of the church. And the glory of the church and the glory of the kingdom of God are the same as well. The reason why God was able to raise up the early churches through Paul was because of this reason. Because Paul, everything started through the, through the grace of God. And he was able to confirm that everything came from the Lord through the Holy Spirit. And that's why he was able to minister all these churches with the glory and with the grace that God has given to him. So all the power, all the authority, all the miracles that Paul was able to do came from the glory of the church. So Paul's stance for the church was very, was very firm. So you need to experience, you have to empty yourself and experience spiritual fullness and receive the message of God and receive His calling and especially for the calling, His your calling as a church and continue to be nurtured in the church and be able to give your life for for the glory that you have received. So, so let's move on. Another thing is he knew of the nobility of his calling. Paul was the servant of God and the apostle of God, and he could have received all the glory of the world. But Paul made no compromise in his nobility. Because he knew who he was serving, and he he wasn't serving a mere king on this earth, but he was serving the king of all kings. So that's why he continued to empty himself and was able to receive glory from the Lord. And receive, thus he was able to receive power, authority, and 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 his calling from the gospel. And this is not done just for Paul, but 
if we all indulge in this task of, of emptying ourselves, then everything will be done in order for you as well. You would, you would experience spiritual fullness, and you would, you would uh, experience no limitation in the, glory, in the glory that you're receiving, no limitation in the revelations that you're receiving. Because all this moves as one. All these elements do not, cannot be separated. If one thing goes off, then that means there's a, there's a, there's a, uh, that you've allowed an opening for the enemy to come and attack you. So, uh, let's go back to the main text for today. For Paul, the Holy Spirit, uh, the Gospel, the Church, and the calling, and all the power and authority that came with it, brought confirmation for his victory, for his ultimate victory. And of course, there's victory already from the, from the Gospel. But everything we do, we need to do it built upon the confirmation of that, of that ultimate victory that will be given to us. So, and the secret of the Gospel is that we will be given this eternal victory. And that eternal victory that, that will be done, that will be given to us in the kingdom of God, will also be, will manifest itself in our lives right now. Because once you have spiritual victory, you would have a physical victory as well in your reality. For Christians, there is no defeat. There is no failure. Because nothing that is given to you by God has uh, a possibility of failure. Can God fail? Can the gospel fail? Can the church fail? No. It is impossible for these things to fail because it was given to us by God. So those who live with the gospel and with the fullness of the Holy Spirit will realize that, that they will never experience failure and never experience defeat. This is the secret of the gospel. If you have received the gospel correctly, then you will you would experience uh, an eternal victory and a, and a victory in your, in your reality as well. So now let's go to the main text. And we must all proclaim this victory, rejoice with this victory by the end of this message. Believing in Jesus is really exciting. Because no matter what kind of dire situations may come, if you, live, if you live by the Holy Spirit, then you will be happy. You will rejoice. You will be happy with the Lord's presence. You, you will enjoy yourself living with, with the Lord. So that's why I always say that our kids need to have a hobby of praying, have an interest in worship, and what else? Uh, and enjoy, enjoy praying to God and reading His Word. How, why was Paul able to confirm of his victory? Of course, it came from the gospel, his calling in the church. But we're going to talk about how the, the triune God uh, uh, moves us. The reason why. Uh, first sermon, what then shall we say about these things? If, if God is for us, who can, who can be against us? 
verse 30, it says, Whom he predestined, those he also called, whom he called, those he also justified, whom he justified, those he also glorified. So this is the Lord's predestination for us to be glorified. So what are we to do with this, with this calling? It's, and that is for us to be victorious. And in your lives, in your daily lives, at times it may seem with, your, with our physical eyes that we have failed, that we have stumbled. But you have to know that the, the, the ultimate destination for our lives is victory. And that is our reality as well. That when we have the faith of God, that faith will lead us to become like Him. And in Him, nothing is, is a failure. Nothing can become a failure. And in the first part of this verse, it says, because God is for us, who can be against us? So, is, is there anything in this world, world that can go against God? And since that God is for us, then nobody can be against us as well. So, is there a being in this world that can take away your victory? No. If somebody takes away your money, are you a failure? Are you defeated? No. If somebody upsets you, are you defeated? If somebody kills you, are you defeated? No, even if you die, that does not mean a defeat. There's no element, nothing in this universe that can hinder our, our victory. So you need to have faith in this, in this, uh, in this promise. And from that, we can gain power and authority because the enemy fears those who realize this fact. And how can we confirm of this victory? It's because that tremendous being, that, that God, is, is for us. He's on our side. Where? Oh, that was uh, Deuteronomy. Even starting from Deuteronomy, the Lord talks about us trampling over the heads of our enemies, trampling over the heads of the snakes and the scorpions. But to us, who are living in the New Testament, He has given us our, His Spirit as well. And the reason why I said that I proclaim these Bible verses through Rema is because it holds power. And so when I proclaim these, these verses, these verses against the enemy, they will tremble in fear because they know it holds power and that the promises of God will be fulfilled by God himself. And so do not lose your nobility in the Lord. Once, once you are able to maintain the fullness of the Holy Spirit, you would, you would realize that you will never uh, be afraid of the enemy. Because you don't have to deal with with uh, with these low uh, with with these demons anymore, they have no power over you. So bless one another, saying, "You are kings. You are kings, because we we truly are." So we know the God well. 
But we need to confirm of two things. As a being, nobody can be against the Lord. Because we are a part of creation, and all of creation are have have uh, all all creation are bound to to meet their conclusion. And since God is not a creation but the Creator, He is not affected by by the universe. And we, as a part of creation, we are we we uh, are all. Under the laws of, of this universe, and we are we all have to be met with our own results and be affected by those results, whether that be our situation or 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 uh, an external force like demons. the children of God we no longer have to live by the, the reasons and the cause of this, uh, of this world and so because and the reason for it is because we live by the will of the Lord not by the laws of, of physics or by the reasons of this world And we don't have to live according to the world because even the world itself uh, is on, on the path to destruction. Their results, their conclusions are already decided. And the Lord's property itself, the Lord's property itself is, is being all-powerful and all-knowing. And since that God is for us, nobody can be against us. So that is important for why it is important for us to stand on His side and not the side that it goes against Him. Secondly, He says that God has given, given us His own Son. He didn't spare His own Son for us. So in, if you look at, if you interpret this text, it basically means that he, God loves us more than his own son Jesus because he was willing to sacrifice his son for us. Look at verse 32, he who didn't spare his own son. So, uh, the, the, the original text for the word didn't spare here is the word used to, to, to carefully care for something. So that means the Lord was not careful with his son because he wanted to deliver us. He wanted to save us and so he didn't spare his own son. That's how much he loved us. But delivered him up for us all. How would he not also with him, also with him, freely give us all things? And 
So Jesus, uh, the Lord didn't spare his own son in sending Jesus upon this earth. And he died for our sins, becoming less than us. But then he was resurrected and was given the name of Savior. And we also have, been, have died with him and been raised with him as well. So we are the same beings. That's what the, the preposition Shin is. So that's why it says in the Bible that Jesus has become our older brother because we are equals. We, are, we have become the same being and he's not embarrassed or ashamed to call us brothers. The reason why he's not ashamed to call us brothers is because we are the same. We are of the same. <clears throat> and we have become one with Jesus. I'm going to say once again that if you have received the Lord correctly, then you, you receive the same nobility as the Lord. But simultaneously, you humble yourself. You become lower and lower. And I keep telling our doctors, the, the, the uh, PhD doctors, I told them that um, modern theology and theology in general has been so focused on trying to separate, separate God from man. But what, what, what I tell the, 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 the PhD doctors of our church is that there shouldn't be this wall between uh, where God is and where we are because we have been made in His image, because God has transplanted His image into us. We are also God's uh, uh, reliant gods, dependent gods on, uh, after the Lord. And that's why God has given us the same nobility that He holds. And Jesus Himself also was willing to come and sacrifice Himself for us because He already accepted us as His brothers. Kids nowadays don't know, but when you have five or six, five or more siblings, the firstborn, if that is a son, then that, that firstborn son would go through all the, all the stages of uh, education. They would be able to go to college and all that. But, but the, the younger siblings, especially the girls, would not be given the, 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 the opportunity to go to school as much. But there are some families where the, the second-born daughter or so will sacrifice her own uh, opportunity for education and allow her siblings to go while she takes care of the family.
So, uh, the, this is a story, uh, kind of a tragic story, but also a heartwarming story uh, that uh, the older generation of the Korean people will be familiar with. And the reason why we're all, all here is because of those, all, all those who, who, who sacrificed themselves for their families. I think is what he's trying to say. So that's what Jesus did for us. He has done everything. He, he, he sacrificed himself for his siblings so that we may be saved. It's, it's really uh, heartwarming to hear that. So back then they had to go into the workforce with, uh, uh, without going to get an education. So all those women, all those <laughs> great women went to get work to support their families and supporting their siblings' uh, educations. So, um, God did not keep anything for Himself. He gave everything. He even gave His Son for us. So that's why you can seek all things from the Lord. Lord, I want wisdom. Lord, I want power. Through the sacrifice of Jesus, this has become possible for us. So the reason why you cannot pray like this, pray, cannot pray boldly, is because you're, un you're unwilling to accept what Jesus has done for you. That he has already done everything for you to come before the Lord every day and to seek uh, what you need. Lord, give me holiness, give me glory, give me salvation, give me wisdom. This is possible because Jesus has, has achieved everything. Do not lose this simple way of life. That means if, if you have lost this simple way of life and your life has become complex, especially if your prayers have, be, have become complex, then that means you have been affected by, the, by your flesh. Now, this is the image of those who are living in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Thirdly, <clears throat> so now we have established what, what relationship we have with the Lord and what he, he gives to us. But the third thing that we should know about is that He confirms of our righteousness. So maintaining the fullness of the Spirit and maintaining holiness is not separated. Maintaining righteousness, I mean. They're not separated. They're the same thing. Because when you have the Holy Spirit within you, the Holy Spirit helps you to continue to repent of your sins and of your wickedness so that you can have righteousness. The Holy Spirit becomes like, like a filter for wickedness and for, for sin. He will tell you, 
what you have done wrong. So as soon as you do something wrong, if you, the Holy Spirit will lead you to repentance. So you can say, oh, I've done something wrong. Lord, would you, would you forgive me and wash me with your blood and make me righteous once again? So uh, when, you, when you do this over and over again, you're able to uh, maintain that purity. So when I tell you guys to repent every day, I'm not telling you to, to actively try to, to think of your own sins and repent for that. No, when you live by the Holy Spirit, when you're sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is doing within you, He will naturally lead you to repentance, even, even for the things that you cannot remember. Because the blood of Jesus is circulating within you, that is possible. Uh, verse 33, who could bring a charge against God's chosen ones? And God's will for us is, is for us to become uh, righteous, holy, and blameless. So who can bring a charge against the children of God? Who can bring them to court? It, right now, if you're charged against something, then, then what does that mean? That, that means you have allowed the enemy to come and bring a charge against you. Do you realize how big of a spiritual loss you, you experience when you're, when you're brought a charge like this? And there are many possibilities to why you have been brought a charge. But the main thing is that you have, you have not been faithful in your prayer life. And that's why the enemy can bring these charges against you. But when people of the Spirit, people who are living in the fullness of the Spirit, they live a simple life, like I said before. And, and the reason why it is simple is because they're not accused, they're not charged against uh, by the enemy. Because as soon as they do something wrong, as soon as they do something that displeases the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit let, lets them know of that, and they can repent in, instantaneously. Your biological body also, when, when something foreign or something that, that, that harms you enters into your body, the white blood cells would get to that and destroy that virus or destroy that bacteria. Am I right, doctors? That's what our body does, right? So it's the same. It's the same. The Holy Spirit. When, when something wicked or something sinful comes into you, when, when any essence of darkness is present within you, the Holy Spirit will move to push that out to, so that He can help you to maintain righteousness, to maintain holiness and purity. But, but accusations and these charges will, will make us stop, stop that, that process of being purified because something has, has, has clogged up that system. You cannot move past that that sin anymore. People who live with the fullness of the spirit, even though you, your physical body may not be doing something at the moment, your spirit will be very busy. That sometimes very busy doing something, and that's that's. Uh, and sometimes the Holy Spirit just makes you pray in tongue, no matter where you are. And that the reason for that is because He's helping you maintain your righteousness, trying to push away all the bacteria that has come into you. 
people who have the fullness of the Holy Spirit and who have the operation of righteousness happening within them will realize what this means because it is, because it is something that they have experienced. Sometimes the Holy Spirit just leads you to the place of prayer because you, your spirit needs to pray in that moment to get rid of something. So, that means your spirit is alive, that it is not bound or confined. The reason why your spirit is, has stopped or it is bound is because you have stopped. You have been, you have been stopped. If your spirit is not moving in this moment, then that means that a charge has been brought against you and you, your spirit has stopped because of the, these charges. But if you're living with the Holy Spirit, then nobody can bring a charge against you. Because even the enemy know, know that Jesus has already become uh, our advocate, that he has shed his blood to pay the price for his sins. And so there is no... Mm. There, there's no reason or no, no, uh, what's the word? The enemy has no right to bring a charge against us anymore because of what Jesus did. So let's move on. God has already taken care, ter, taken care of our righteousness and he has erased all the files of sin that is recorded for us. But who can bring a charge against us? The reason why a charge can be brought against you is because of your flesh. Verse 34. Who is he who condemns? Right now we're going to talk about the response of righteousness. Verse 34, who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, yes, rather, who was raised from the dead. So ever since the day of the cross, ever since the crucifixion, the only, the, oh, the only relationship that we care about is the relationship we have with righteousness and with, with life. So, what does it mean that your spirit has stopped, that it is bound, that it is in place? That means you have, you have stopped your relationship with, with the life of salvation. And that you're responding to the life of the flesh, not the life of the salvation. So you have to believe that the life of salvation has been given to you. Christ died for our sins and he, he was raised from the dead for our righteousness. So people who have received this righteousness and have the sins taken care of by the Lord, they have a relationship of life with the Lord because they're able to confirm of, 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 of their li the life that has been given to them through the resurrection of Jesus. Some of you may pray like this. If you, have, if you commit a sin repetitively, you might confess to the Lord saying, Lord, I have committed this sin again. But what does the word again mean? It means you still remember the sins that you have committed in the past, even though God does, not, God does not remember your sins once you have repented. So, 
if you believe in this life, if you believe in the resurrection of Jesus, does it make sense for you to say, Lord, I have lied again when you have lied? No, you should say, Lord, I have sinned and I have sinned for the first time. And is that positive thinking? No. Once you believe that the Lord, once you truly believe in what Jesus has done for you, that He has shed His blood in order for our sin, for our sins, and that God has erased the the files of sin that are recorded in heaven, then that means you lying right now is truly your first time lying and sinning before the Lord. So using the word again means you don't truly believe believe in what repentance is. So once you have received righteousness, the only life and the only relationship that you should deal with is the relationship that you have with the resurrected king. And so once you live with the life that that the life of resurrection, everything you deal with comes from the from from our father in heaven. And also, we can live with the nobility that He has blessed us with. You no longer live by the life of the flesh. Romans 4 says it surely. So, even death has been taken care of by the Lord. And so nothing can become a threat to our, to our righteousness because we live with the life of resurrection. The reason why something can become a problem to you is because you're still living by the flesh. So money, money cannot, can no longer be a problem. And if you, if you are afraid of something, then that means you're dying again because you are not living by the new self, but rather by the old self, meaning you're, you're, you're dealing with death again, not dealing with, righteous, uh, not dealing with resurrection. And so the life of Jesus needs to be revealed through you. Let's move on and let's finish. So, in conclusion, why, why did the Lord give us His righteousness is to overcome our sins and all that. But what does Paul say in verse 35? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? The reason why God gave us His righteousness is because of His love. So could oppression or anguish or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? So God's love takes care of everything when it comes to us. Let's say you're unable to love because of a, a, a financial problem. Then God is going to take care of that financial problem for you. Let's say you're unable to love because of a certain person. Then God is going to get rid of that person or, or help you maintain your relationship with that person. God is going to do everything. He's going to do everything for you so that you can, so that you can continue uh, to maintain your righteousness. Because He loves us, He takes complete responsibility for us. 
So you cannot say you love something when you're unable to take full responsibility for that thing. So do not, that's, I'm saying do not believe in the love of man, loving the love of humans. Because that person cannot take full responsibility for you. So the better confession should be, I'm going to love you with the love of the Lord. But newlyweds, everything will be nice and everything will be good for you. But sooner or later, you're going to be met with, met, met with the reality of marriage. So if you're, if you're willing, what point is, is it for you to promise your wife that you're going to do the laundry, that you're going you're, you're to do all the chores around the house, if it, if it only takes a single phone call for, for me to, to call you out of the house? So that's why I'm saying do not believe in the promises, do not believe in the love of humans. But the only love that we can trust is the love of God. So, first verse, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Could oppression or anguish or persecution? So, oppression and anguish uh, or persecution or famine and nakedness or peril or sorrow. These are, these are mostly all external forces that, that may come and oppress us. But even these things will be covered by the Lord's love. And so it is foolish for you to continue to, to rely on your flesh because your flesh is going to uh, lead to your death. So you need to be, 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 be fast into switching back into the new self when, when you have realized that these, come, these things, these attacks have, have come to you, these charges have been brought against you. And we can rest sure knowing that God has power to take care of our, our every situation. Verse 37, knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So, in all things, in all things, in our relationship with, with the Lord, if we're, if we're able to continue to receive His love, then everything that, that may happen, that, that comes to us, all the things that happen around us, we can be victorious because of the love that God has given to us. So the more difficulties we are faced with, the more the Lord pours His love upon us so that we can conquer that situation. Nothing is excluded when it says, in all things, whether it be an issue with your flesh, with your relationship, with money, with power, with anything in this world. He gives us power through His love to be more than conquerors. And we become more than conquerors, not just conquerors, but more than conquerors. Meaning that we, He gives us more, more than enough for us to overcome any situation. Yeah. 
And in this season especially, God is going to make us become more than conquerors, not just barely enough conquerors or moderate conquerors, but more than conquerors. And we can tell that, that, that this is the right season because more glory and more power and more anointings have been poured upon this church than ever before. Now is the season of victory. So do not slack off in your spiritual warfare. Because once you start to pray, once you start to engage in, your spirit, in this spiritual warfare, you realize that you have more power, that God helps you to overcome your, your demons, overcome your obstacles more easily. Why can we become more than conquerors? It's because the power that is given to us through the love of Christ is, has become more powerful. That's why it says we can become more than conquerors. So it means we can use less energy in this battle. So why is it difficult for you to engage in spiritual warfare? It's because you're weak. And that, that fight itself becomes, is very overbearing, overwhelming for you. But once you receive His love and you're built on the right relationship with Him, then you uh, will become more than conquerors in Him. So I'm really pleased with these Bible verses. Because it, tells, it, it, it brings us hope. So now let's finish. Verse 38, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we don't have to fear anything that, is, that has come or, or is to come. I'm not saying that you have to live with a positive mind or a positive thinking, but once you live by the Holy Spirit, you realize that there's nothing to, afraid, to be afraid of that is around you or, or anything that will come to you in the future. What else does it say? Nor height, nor death. Nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God. This is how God is, is pouring His love upon you. It is such a passionate and, and, and uh, heated love. This is the love of, the, of Christ. This is the love of the Lord. So let's bless one another. Jesus Christ loves you. Now say it properly. Bless one another saying, Jesus Christ loves you. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Today we must all proclaim our victory as more than conquerors. Do the demons know that we are we are more than conquerors? They know, but they try to trick us into thinking we are not. And so that's why it is important for us to remind them, to remind them that we are more than conquerors. Say, hey, you you filthy beings, you you know that we're gonna be victorious, right? Like you know. So, let's sing the song of Romans 16:19 and trample the enemy while whilst proclaiming our victory over them.